Hey listeners, it's Paul Andriola here. Why not join our community at Small Cap Discoveries where we offer our members direct access to some of the best microcap investment opportunities available. Our members are getting access to premium microcap financings, research reports, and direct access to management. Sign up today at www.smallcapdiscoveries.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Small Cap Discoveries conference call. Today on our call, we have back the CEO, Andrew White from Char Technologies. Char trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol YES and on the OTC under the symbol CTRNF. The company is currently trading at 47.5 uh, cents with roughly 71 million shares outstanding or about a $34 million market cap. I'd now like to hand it over to Paul Andreola. Thanks so much, Trevor. Uh, always great to have Andrew with us. Um, I think you've been with us at least two other times in the past. So uh, welcome back. Yeah, it's always um, a pleasure to be here Paul, as well. So thanks for having me. Fantastic. Um, so chart technologies uh, in the environmental space, we can call it that. There's a whole bunch of things that you guys do. Um, you know, you, you've given us uh, a pretty in-depth presentation in the past. So we're happy to have you here for updates, but before we jump on to any updates, why don't you remind everybody listening uh, exactly what uh, Chart Technologies does? For sure, and, and um, I was gonna share one slide, but uh, it's disabled and that's okay. I can talk through it, it's no big deal. So um, Char, we're an environmental uh, technology and services company, but the, the core of, of the business is what's called high temperature pyrolysis. So, you know, it sounds scientific, but it's heating stuff up to about 850 Celsius um, without uh, any oxygen present. So uh, this is kind of what it looks like on the right. That's our high temperature pyrolysis unit. And we have three distinct market verticals. Um, each of these plants will operate in one of these three market verticals. But at a high level, we're taking in low value to negative value materials, biosolids being sewage sludge, digestive and compost, uh, wood residuals, so like bark and summer residuals, heat it up in our plant here and make clean energy in the form of a gas, which we can take to renewable natural gas, syngas, or green hydrogen. And biocarbon, so biochar, so, you know, we have a, a, a biocarbon we make for the steel industry to offset coal uh, in their blast furnaces that we call clean fire as, as one example. So as sort of the 30 seconds or less, that's, uh, that's the core of our growth. That's where we're seeing, you know, tremendous opportunity. And, and that's, you know, what we're really excited for in, in 2022 is, is, you know, the continued development of this, uh, this market space. Fantastic. Uh, great job. You've done a much better job describing it than I could. So good. good. <laughs> Thanks. Um, the, uh, no, since we spoke last, um, you've actually made some significant announcements. Um, uh, why don't you update us a little bit on some of the things that have happened the last little while. And you've got a, a recent facility uh, announcement out of Quebec, but there, there's some uh, a facility out of uh, um, California as well that maybe you can update us on that and, and anything you want to uh, around those things. For sure. So we'll, we'll start uh, chronologically like newest and then, and then we're mm -hmm. going back. So the, the Quebec project is in a town called St. Felicien. So it's uh, Saguenay, Lac Saint-Jean. So about uh, three hours north of Quebec City. Um, and I think, you know, one of the, the key highlights of this project is that it is co-located with an existing biomass cogeneration plant. So this plant is taking in wood and primarily wood waste, uh, low value residuals from the sawmills up there, 
burning it to create electricity through their boilers. Mm -hmm. And so what that means is the plant has a need for thermal energy. Um, it has, you know, biomass handling, truck scales, dumpers, grinders, uh, the like. So, you know, a lot of that infrastructure that's needed to handle biomass. And so the, the project is a multi-phase project where first we build one of our high temperature pyrolysis kilns. The plant can handle all the biomass handling, so don't need to invest in any of that capex. And we process the biomass, we make a syngas, sell it back to the, to the power plant. They've got a purchase agreement, so it's very, very simple to just run, run the gas pipe to them. And we make our biochar, our biocarbons, and we sell that. And that's phase one. So we can get phase one deployed for relatively low capital. There's not a lot of balance of plant design work that needs to happen. The site's there, you know, the people are there, the municipality, um, the MRC up there is very, very receptive. Um, you know, they've, they've kind of funded a biochar uh, demonstration and research facility up there. So there's a, a ton of community support. So we're really excited because of the opportunity in terms of, you know, biomass availability, biomass handling, sort of the super capex light ability to really just put the kiln in place and, and get it running. And then of course, you know, phase two would be getting into that renewable natural gas, but um, you know, there's contracting and, and permitting that just takes time. And so we can get this thing built and cash flowing really, really quickly. So um, that's obviously very exciting. The, the, the quicker to, to cash, the better. Um, so that's the one we announced not too long ago. Um, the one we've talked about uh, previously is, is in California with uh, Hitachi. Uh, so Zeninova, they've got an, an, what's called an anaerobic digester. So they take in food waste and they make biogas. And then we take their compost and, and process it through our plant. And so that's progressing quite well. We're, you know, deep into the permitting process uh, with, uh, you know, land use and building permits and, you know, air permits and all those good things. Um, you know, we're fabricating the equipment. So it's in the procurement now. Um, our target delivery date is still late spring, early summer. Uh, and uh, as long as everything goes smoothly with the permitting, we, we should be able to turn it on um, and do some initial running in that time frame. Um, and we've got some, some guests from Itachi at our facility in London this week, um, sort of both from their US base, their uh, base in Switzerland and uh, their Japanese base, sort of one representative from each. And we're doing some additional trials and, you know, kind of tweaking the, the operation. So once it's built, we're, we're up and running quickly down there as well. Uh, the, the, the other one we've talked about previously is Kirkland Lake, and that's uh, a greenfield site doing biomass. Um, we're still progressing nicely with the preliminary design work. Uh, before the winter set in, we, we did the surveying, so we're able to do some of the, the initial plant work. And we're fairly deep in, in the negotiations as well with the, uh, the renewable natural gas offtaker for that site. So, you know, things on those three projects are, are going really well and, and kind of the, the influx of opportunity in clean tech, um, you know, be it in the biochar and the carbon credit markets and the renewable natural gas and green hydrogen, all of those spaces are still accelerating and, you know, the, the markets are just growing and growing and growing. And, uh, you know, we're, we're definitely pursuing it rather aggressively to, to keep that, that going.
I, I wanted to talk to you about that because, you know, before we got on air, we sort of jokingly laughed about the, um, you know, the, the market, the stock market hasn't really um, kept up with uh, sort of in parallel with the actual opportunities and the excitement around um, a lot of these opportunities you guys are seeing. Uh, albeit, I mean, there's all all sorts of ESG stocks have been hit the same way, but um, I mean, you guys are really active right now. There's a lot of opportunities that are coming your way. Clearly, you've got a number of facilities up and running now that you didn't have before. Um, talk a little bit more about kind of the, the, the general sort of environment out there for for these opportunities. Um, yeah, what, what can you tell us more about uh, sort of the lay of the land? Yeah, so you know it's 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 a good point. I mean, you know, every, I think every tech stock across the board, be it clean tech, ESG, or otherwise, has, has seen a bit of a a decline. I mean, we're still trading above our our fifty two week uh, low. So you know, I think our our shareholders, I think, understand what's going on and, and what we're we're pursuing um, because that market space hasn't changed negatively to to kind of reflect that. Uh, that, that slight pullback. And, you know, what I mean by that is you still have uh, British Columbia and Quebec that are pushing hard to increase the amount of renewable natural gas. You see more procurement coming out. Um, you know, another RFQ came out a couple weeks ago, um, or sorry, not a couple weeks ago, I guess this was just before December, but uh, for for more gas in, in the Quebec pipeline, more renewable gas because they need it. Um, you know, we've got now more traction with additional metallurgical and steel companies in the U.S. where they're seeing uh, the need to get into reduced carbon because of their global footprints and their global ESG requirements. So none of that has gone away. It's kind of done the opposite. It, it has grown and continues to grow. And so over the past year, we've been pushing uh, project development uh, getting some of these project partners in line, like with, with St. Philip's Hands, there's a couple of partners there. Mm -hmm. And so in the next kind of three to six months, um, you know, we, and we expect to continue to execute as we have been on getting these projects from kind of the, the drawing board into a place where we have agreements in, in place and we can move them forward. And, you know, in alignment with that, there's, you know, still a fair bit of, of government support um, you know, obviously the, the economics of these plants speak for themselves without uh, government support, but certainly helping uh, with plant capex um, through various uh, opportunities. You know, those are still real. They're still there um, because it's still, you know, important for society across the board to, to decarbonize and, and to follow these ESG metrics. And, you know, I think Politically, it makes sense, and and so we we are seeing still a lot of really good opportunities that, you know, we can leverage um, off of to, to finance and and build mm -hmm. these projects. Mm -hmm. um, I want to remind everybody that's listening. Um, if you've got any questions you want me to ask Andrew, uh, feel free uh, to use the chat function, and I'll do my best to to ask a question. Um, the uh, timing, you, you mentioned a little bit about uh, some of the facilities that are up and running, uh, or sorry, that will be up and running in the next little while, but give us a better sense of timing in terms of when, when does it start to have a meaningful impact uh, revenue-wise to your business? Um, what, what, what sort of still has to happen before you get there uh, to see what the economics around these things really look like? Yeah, it, it's a it's an important question for sure. And, and you know, the... 
the California project, as I said, we expect that to be, um, you know, turned on late spring, early summer. So, you know, our fiscal is September. So within, within this fiscal, um, you know, we, we see that project operational. There's a couple of other, you know, project opportunities where we are um, selling equipment versus doing the build on operate. We see the, the real future uh, for char and long-term growth in, in build on operate, but, you know, a couple, uh, you know, CapEx sales help uh, with the cash flow infusion. And, and those are, you know, a couple of well-developed ones that, uh, that we can also, you know, see coming in sort of late this fiscal as well. But really when the other BOOs start to come online is in the next fiscal year. I mean, there's just the, the realities of uh, doing permitting and, and site construction and, and development, but we do have a relatively short time frame when you look at other types of projects because, you know, to, to remind people on the call who have been on other ones, you know, our, our deployment strategy is still modular. So we build the entirety of the plant in a factory. It's fabricated, it's on a skid. It gets shipped and assembled on site, but it doesn't need, the equipment doesn't need on-site construction. We need, you know, a pad, a pre-engineered building that, you know, is fairly cost-effective and, and doesn't, doesn't take a lot of time to build and, you know, some electricity run to that, that site. So um, we see this, uh, some of these projects, these build-on-operate projects coming online in our next fiscal. And that's where, that's where the growth really, really starts yeah. to, to hit. Yeah. Now, whenever we hear somebody say build, um, we keep hearing about supply issues, uh, shortages, logistics, all that sort of stuff. Are you guys facing any issues around uh, material or, or product supplies right now? We haven't so far. Um, you know, we're, we're certainly looking around at, you know, what our alternatives are if, if that does become a reality um, mm -hmm. for us. But um you know, the, I guess the, the nature of our supply chain, it hasn't been disrupted, you know, like others, you know, the, the, the metals that we use are, are pretty standard, uh, burner packages haven't really been hit. And, um, you know, the, the electronics that we use are from either Allen Bradley or Schneider, both are, you know, well-established global companies. And, you know, we don't have the same types of electronics that, you know, cars that need these chips do i mean they're they're kind of these controllers that go on a big panel and um you know so far it hasn't been an issue and and you know i would say over the the last 12 months is and maybe even more is when sort of everyone was was concerned about logistics i'm sort of seeing uh, a light at the end of that tunnel that things are, are settling down um but uh, so far so good but we are identifying where we could potentially mm -hmm. source specific componentry um, that's, you know, either longer lead or critical, mm -hmm. uh, just in case. Now, Andrew, um, we've seen the price of uh, oil, we've seen the price of natural gas, uh, you know, hit some, you know, significant recent highs. What, what kind of impact is that having in your business? I, I, I got to imagine that, it, I mean, it's, High energy prices is good for ESG. It's good for the kind of products you sell, but maybe, maybe there's more more detail you can give us. Yeah, I mean it. It, it certainly is because it it closes the gap a little bit yeah. in um, what the market price for renewable natural gases, for example, and, and what fossil natural gases. So, you know, in in the Canadian context, it doesn't it hasn't yet had 
much of an effect because it's a little bit longer term focus in, in Canadian um, mm -hmm. renewable natural gas. It's, we've got these mandates to, to fill a certain you know, amount of our grid with RNG and it's a little bit less market economic and a little bit more uh, policy driven. And, and the gap is huge. I mean, you know, BC needs something like 40 uh, pentajoules of energy, which is, you know, a million, uh, a pentajoules, a million gigajoules and a gigajoules, a million megajoules. So if any of those units make any sense, it, it's <laughs> a lot of energy. Yeah. Uh, but to put it in a different way, you know, BC needs about 40 pentajoules and Canada produced six pentajoules. All this is mm. all renewable natural gas numbers. So mm. it's, there's such a huge, um, you know, supply gap that, mm. um, you know, whatever the, the oil price and the, and the natural gas price are, it, it yet hasn't affected. But, mm. you know, I think we will see the effect a lot faster in, in U.S. market opportunities um, mm. where, you know, you've got these much more market approach to renewable energy, either through mm. the, the LCFS, low carbon fuel standard market, or the, the RIN markets. Um, mm that are much more variable mm -hmm. uh, because they're priced on you know, uh, kind of a carbon credit type of concept. So right. um, those ones could move faster, but um, mm -hmm. for us right now, it's you know really focused on the Canadian utilities and, and the kind of long-term offtakes because that's what's mm -hmm. really uh, exciting from a, a, a return perspective. I mean, the, the pricing is excellent. And you know who better to have a long-term offtake agreement with than you know, a Canadian gas utility they're going to stick around so right yeah um, that's that's kind of the focus right now for sure yeah that makes sense that makes sense um the i mean so so technically i guess you get three facilities that are either in construction or you know soon to be completed i guess um give us a sense of the economics around one of these facilities Maybe, I mean, they're all going to be slightly different. I'm sure they're going to have different input costs and, and whatnot, but give us a ballpark idea of what a facility does for you economically. Yeah. So, you know, we, we can look at, and, and again, we'll, we'll kind of focus on the idea of, the, of a module uh, mm -hmm. because of our, our modular right. approach. So our largest module uh, processes three and a half tons per hour of biomass um, that, largest module would produce on the order of 200 to 250 gigajoule thousands or 200 to 250 thousand uh, gigajoules per year of renewable natural gas uh, once it's fully deployed and that depends a little on the feedstock and that facility would produce on the order of 5,000 tons of biocarbon so when you do kind of the quick math you know that the rng pricing is you know for for modeling purposes you can use 25 dollars a gigajoule um, so that's the, the gas side. Uh, on the carbon side, you know, it's five or six hundred dollars a ton. Um, so it's you can kind of quickly see it, it's it's additive, but the the real economics still are, are driven by that that gas piece, um, which is good if that's what you know we're getting the long term offtake for as well. Um, and then your feedstock cost, um, depending on the site, it's either you know ten dollars a ton all the way up to about 30 to $40 a ton, uh, depending on your location, how far away you have to pull it in and how much pre-processing you have to do. Um, so hopefully that gives kind of the, the operating uh, perspective of, of kind of the, the overall ins and outs. And then the plant itself, um, because it's generating the syngas, um, we need thermal energy, we need heat. 
Um, but once we're running, we take a slipstream of that gas to run the plant. So we actually don't have big utility costs from the, from the heat side because mm -hmm. we're self-generating. Um, our largest plant uses, you know, 400 uh, kilowatt is, is kind of the electrical load. Um, so we do electrical plus, um, you know, regular maintenance, amortized, and, uh, you know, kind of all those other OPEX costs and general OPEX, including, including all of those is on the order of 300,000 a year. Uh, that's non-labor OPEX because, you know, with the modular approach, we're co-locating often. So we have the opportunity to leverage um, existing uh, personnel. Um, so whether a greenfield, we obviously have to hire more people. Uh, uh, plant like, you know, in, in California where we're building it on the back end, we don't really have to hire anyone because there's already some operational capacity to run that plant. So that's why we kind of, we usually leave that piece out because it is site specific. And then our kind of investment cost uh, on the equipment side, um, plus some, some allowance for, for site work, is on the order of 12 million for that module. So, you know, when you kind of run all the, the numbers, you know, the, the kind of basic payback is in the two and a half to three year mark on that, uh, on that module. Perfect. Perfect. I like it when you simplify it into, in terms of how many <laughs> year payback that makes yeah. it, uh, it's the crayon approach that I talked about for, uh, for investors like us. Absolutely. Um, the, um, the, okay, so you're, I mean, you're still more or less in, um, you know, build out mode, expenses are high. Um, you know, one of the questions you just had coming in here, do you foresee yourself having to raise money? Yeah, I mean, short answer is yeah. <laughs> yes, we're, <laughs> we're doing, we're doing a financing now. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of a, you know, as, as you kind of asked, you know, markets are a little bit softer right now. So, you know, we're not um, necessarily going for the, for the, huge dollars, but we want, um, you know, to, ha to have enough to give us decent runway that we don't have to take the foot off the gas on any of these projects. That's kind of where we're, we're sitting right now. We want um, to be able to keep progressing quickly on the projects. And so it's a little bit of funding to keep that process going. When we look at the bigger capital requirements, once, you know, we're deploying this equipment on the, on the sites, which is coming up, you know, it's a balance of what's our investment piece, you know, partners that are at the table for some of these projects. Um, and then that the government funding that I mentioned, um, there's a couple of really good uh, opportunities for us that we kind of see uh, coming down the line in the next three months that, uh, that we can, you know, hopefully close on and, and put towards a couple of these projects. Mm -hmm. um, and there's some really interesting, you know, government supported, but still more traditional project finance like debt instruments that, uh, that are also available uh, to help support these projects. So, you know, in the immediacy, it's how do we keep the foot on the gas on development and, you know, keeping initial pieces through procurement so we can, mm -hmm. we can get it going. But on a project by project basis, we don't expect, you know, each of those modules that, that 12 million um, that I mentioned, we don't expect to have to have all, you know, raised equity to pay for that uh, piece of equipment. There's a lot of um, project finance, you know, mm -hmm. grant funding under various uh, repayable and non-repayable options, uh, project partners. So there, there's lots of uh, 
good ways to get that financed. And on the back of a lucrative, you know, RNG contract with a gas utility, uh, the, the door really does open for yeah. traditional project finance. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. What, what do we talk about the financing then? How much, how much are you looking to raise and, and what kind of terms on the financing? Yeah. So, um, you know, we're doing up to three, uh, million. So it's, it's, uh, relatively light like i said it's it's enough to to keep the foot on the gas uh for some of the projects um uh james is as on the call i might have to lean on him because i've been on calls all day and there was a little bit of uh of back and forth with the board um so if i can you remind us james what the final final numbers were on on the uh the deal term yeah so it's it's a 45 cent share in a half warrant at 60 cents Good for 18 months. Perfect. Thanks. Okay. And, and, and it's worth mentioning, I, I, I'm, I, I'm the second largest shareholder and Andrew and I are the two largest shareholders. Uh, I'm committed for a minimum of 50K. I may do more actually, because we'd originally hoped to do this financing at a higher price. Uh, and most of the board are, well, all the board are participating, how big the quantum, most of them are about the same as me. Uh, Eric Butel's in for 50, uh, Hugh Cleland is in for 50, uh, Paul Pellegrini's in for 50. Anyway, I could go on, but, I'd say the immediate insiders are half a million for sure. My friends and family are another half million for sure. So we're, we're well over a million, but we see the small cap discoveries group as a key group and we want your participation for sure. You've been supporters since our last financing. And that's why we wanted to do this update call the minute that we announced. So. Thanks. Yeah. And, and that's much appreciated. So it's, it's sort of, we almost, it's almost like we've broken the story here. So that, that's fantastic. That's right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we can get into that later as far as the, the listeners. Um, if you're interested in participating, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have the opportunity to chat and uh, get you all the documents and contact people that are necessary. So, so fantastic for that. Um, okay. Well, good. Well, we, we sort of answered the question in terms of uh, funding um, you know, raising a bit of money now to, to keep, uh, to keep moving as fast as you guys are moving, uh, makes a lot of sense. Um, what, um, you know, sort of deviating a little bit, what other challenges, uh, do you see ahead? Um, you know, now that you supposedly have some money coming in, what else do you still face? Uh, what kind of hurdles? Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting because it's, it's all capacity based. It's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's that kind of growth story of, you know, how do we keep up with the opportunities, you know, have the right people behind us, keep building our capacity, but, you know, do it in such a way that we're not getting so far ahead of revenue that our, our burn rate gets, gets too high. So, you know, that that's accomplished by, you know, hiring some of the right people mm -hmm. and then looking at how do we uh, use or leverage the projects uh, to bring on, you know, the individual, you know, engineering design requirements for those projects in a way that um, we don't necessarily have to deploy, you know, the, the rack rate cash to, to get those uh, resources to do the design and the construction of the plant. So, you know, whether it's, you know, a small position in that project or, you know, some other ways to, to leverage, um, you know, these great projects uh, to, to pay uh, for their you know, the, the labor required both on an engineering side and on a deployment side um, is really is really where the balance is. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's an interesting place to be in where, you know, we've got the focus, we're not, we're not kind of looking at 
all sorts of different projects with all sorts of different inputs and outputs. We're, we're looking at a very specific type of project, but it's still, you know, refining which ones are the focus because there's there's so many good opportunities and you know making sure we're balancing um, our internal resources, both human capital and, and uh, financial capital, uh, and growing our team in a sustainable way to to support the growth of those projects. So um, you know it's kind of a it's a good problem to have, uh, but that's that's sort of where the where the the yep. challenge is right now. If mm -hmm. I can put it that way, is is just making sure that's all balanced appropriately. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, I, you know, the, the technology has proven itself. Um, you're now starting to really scale uh, in bigger opportunities to sort of prove out the capability here. I'm really trying to understand how big could this be? Like if, if everything kind of plays out like you, you hope it will here with these three projects, how big could the addressable market be for your specific technology? Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, it's... As, as James will know, because we talk all the time, you know, I, I often fall back on the engineering side of things where we, we tend to downplay things a little bit. Mm -hmm. But so when I say massive, like it, it's, all, it's, it's hard to really explain just how massive it is. And, and when we look at those numbers, you know, remember the British Columbia requiring 45 pentajoules, that's 45 million gigajoules at $25 a gigajoule. That's the market opportunity in one Canadian province per year mm -hmm. for for this and where we're positioned really well is there's two types of technology that can get us there one is anaerobic digestion runoff of organic waste uh, the second is high temperature pyrolysis runoff of woody biomass and on the organic waste side um, back to the Quebec market you know I, I think I probably mentioned this on a previous call but for that all of that gas that Quebec needs to be made domestically in the province of Quebec, over 80% has to come from pyrolysis because there's only so much food waste and grocery store waste. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm not, I'm not being negative on anaerobic digestion. I think it's a fantastic way to uh, take food waste and organic waste and turn it into a higher value resource, but the market demand is so high and there's, you know, we're, we're kind of blessed with so much forestry um, you know, be it the residuals from the sawmills or be it still in the forest that's sustainably harvestable, but um, is kind of staying there. And, and, you know, the, you know, natural resources ministries are looking for market opportunities to, to harvest a little bit more, create jobs, um, but still within kind of a, a sustainable harvest quota. Um, you know, maybe, maybe another uh, numerical example, in our, in our Kirkland Lake project, we're going to consume 75,000 tons per year of woody biomass to make 500,000 gigajoules per year of RNG. The biomass-fired power plant that recently shut down in the town was consuming 350,000 tons. So we're, we're consuming 75,000. There's 350,000 that's available just from that other asset not consuming it. And that's a story that is playing out across Ontario and, mm -hmm. and Quebec primarily. Um, and, and so it's, you know, it's huge. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's kind of huge. And that's where we go back to your previous question is, you know, we, we are keeping the discipline on making sure we are getting the right number of projects in queue that we're able to execute on, get operational and get running in, in the short term. 
but in the medium term, it, it's really this blue ocean of, um, of opportunity. I love the, the blue ocean, red ocean um, strategy. And, and this is definitely in, in the blue ocean side of things. Yeah, I think it really helps how you describe what the sort of the almost legislative demand is just in BC and realize how little there is really today to supply that, that, that legislated demand in just one province. Um, I think that makes it real obvious what, what the opportunity looks like here. Um, Andrew, I've got another uh, question that came in from one of the listeners. Um, it says, in January newsletter, Char mentioned they're working with a major automotive company. How's that project going? What type of work is being done? Yeah, it's it's going very well as, as you know, hopefully um, listeners can, can appreciate. Often the, the big um, sort of Automotive companies don't necessarily like their name being sort of used in, in promotional stuff, but they've got multiple sites. We're working at multiple sites and that's um, actually in our carbon finance unit. So we're working with them on helping them understand carbon markets, how um, they should opt into to some of the carbon markets um, how they can generate credits and actually see some, some better returns for the facilities. Um, and, you know, the reason we've got this, this carbon markets consulting group within the overall organization is, of course, the outputs of a char HTP facility also rely on that expertise. So, you know, it's, it's keeping that expertise in-house, but, you know, also looking at how we can grow that, uh, that expertise and and bring on more you know more of these types of clients that have multiple sites that all require you know carbon emission accounting um, and help deciding how do they participate in emerging carbon markets depending on what jurisdiction they're in. Fantastic, thanks for that. Um, we've got a few minutes left here. Um, we always like to ask a question, just you know, looking forward as investors. What sort of catalyst should we be paying attention to or what milestones do you think we should be watching out for in 2021, uh, 2022 here? Yeah, now that, now that we're in 2022, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, from, from Char's perspective, I think it's it's primarily two. It's, uh, there's more projects in the hopper. So it's new projects that, you know, have good partners associated with them. So they're, they're, you know, there's support there that we're not kind of going all of them alone. We have, you know, tied up uh, feedstock supplies and, and the like and, and operational support and, and financial support. So it's a couple new projects. It's really making good progress on the existing projects we've announced. And, you know, the third one is really around project finance. So where of the, the, the government funding opportunities both um, repayable and non-repayable. Um, in any case, they're all non-dilutive. Um, as those come in to support projects, as we bring on um, opportunities with more traditional debt style of project finance that, um, you know, to, to be frank, no, no debt supplier for project finance wants to supply one project like a like a, a Kirkland Lake, which is, you know, total, total CapEx equipment all, all in is about $30 million. Like that's a, that's a, you know, they cover half of that's $15 million. Like that's not the check size they want to write, but they're happy to write a big check to give us a facility to cover multiple projects. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, we're, we're really pushing on making sure that's lined up. 
such that as we really start to have to deploy the, the capital, um, we've got that project finance piece. So, you know, I think from a, a, a key sort of milestone through 2022, um, those would be kind of generally the three that, that are gonna keep us um, on this growth trajectory and, and, and deploying these projects. Andrew, um, is there anything we haven't covered? And is there any sort of, if, if we've covered everything, um, what, what's the key message or key, you know, sort of takeaway you want everybody to walk away with today? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, fundamentally the key message is, you know, ESG is still around and still growing. You know, renewable natural gas and, and carbon economics are still growing. Um, and so as we look at, what our opportunity is in the future and how we're going to continue to grow and, and continue to see opportunity. It's, you know, deploying assets with long-term offtake agreements um, to keep that sustainable revenue growing um, in a marketplace that is in no way slowing down um, like the, the growth in, in carbon finance and in carbon uh, credits and renewable natural gas and, you know, our biocarbons, all this thing, like it's, it's still exploding, um, kind of regardless of what the, the kind of short-term public markets are doing. So, um, you know, we're still very enthusiastic about uh, 2022 and, and kind of where the opportunities are going to continue to be uh, for for the company. Fantastic. Can um, I give one, uh, Paul, as well? Just one please, yeah. Yep. Um, you know, I've been an investor in Andrew. We met originally because I was a mentor and coach to him at an innovation center. And uh, I, I originally, for a couple of years, was a coach and mentor to him. And then I initially wrote a $100,000 check and then more and more. And now I'm heavily invested and been a partner of his now for five or six years. Um, Quick refresher, February of 2021, February the 5th, so just more than a year ago, we raised $6 million at 32.5 cents with a 40 cent warrant. We had a terrific run with the market, and let's mm. face it, a lot of boats got raised, and I believe the market's been lousy for everybody in our, in our space for the last three or four months. I'm still a big believer in the business, and I think the business is better than it's ever been. Where we are at this very moment is we need some cash to keep continue doing what we're doing and we're putting our money where our mouth is at 45 cents and a, and a half warrant at 60. And I think it's a fantastic opportunity. We will need to raise more money down the road, but at the juncture we're at on, you know, the beginning of February, 2022, I think it's a really good opportunity to, to participate in this financing for those that want to be with us. That's fantastic. It's a perfect place to end this. Um, there is a financing opportunity. I want everybody uh, that's listening today. If you've got any questions around that, Feel free to reach out to Trevor and I, and we'll, we'll put you in contact directly with the company. Um, uh, gentlemen, I want to thank you guys for joining us today. It's always great to, to catch up. Um, we will be in, in touch uh, very soon here. And uh, good luck with everything. I mean, um, one last thing. Uh, if anybody really wants more information, uh, a website or contact point, who, who should they be contacting? Yeah, I guess since this is uh, being recorded, you can replay it so I can I can play it all out chartechnologies.com andrew.white at chartechnologies.com is my email address and you know it's within this group so 647-968-5347 you know that's my cell number so try not to call me at 2am but otherwise uh, i'm always always happy to answer <laughs> questions uh, paul Perfect. i just put i just put my phone number and my email in the yeah. chat and i'm happy to take calls as well okay fantastic we'll make sure every uh that gets out to everybody 
Uh, gentlemen, thanks for joining us today. We'll catch up with you guys real soon. Thanks again. Thanks, Paul. Thank thanks, you. Thanks, Trevor. You got it. Bye. Thanks, now. Trevor.